Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. Welcome to a little Kokomo Friday here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scotty Dubs, Scott White, and C.P.T. Chris Towers. Today on the podcast, we are unfortunately previewing the second base position I spent all day. come on. It's It's not so bad. Chris, it is so bad. It is... Like it is the worst thing that I have ever seen. It is truly we terrible. Did catch your four days ago. <laughs> Man, like, <laughs> Come on. For an infield position, I mean, look, catcher is expected to be bad, but man, like zero second baseman being drafted in the first two rounds, according to ADP. There are three being drafted in the first four rounds. And there are a few things worse than this position that I can actually think of. The 2021 Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm sorry, Pirates fans. Uh, water bugs or cockroaches. Not not a fan. Very you know. I would rather see a mouse than than one of those things. Are those um, the same thing? Pr- not really, but like I'll kind of lump them into the same category. I hate both of them. And maybe Frank, Frank doesn't know the horrifying Godzilla-sized cockroaches <laughs> that we get in South Florida, though. Uh, they and may- are so much bigger than anything you've seen. They are the those size are the of New York cockroaches I've ever known. I've, oh, they're horrifying. I, I know in, in Men in Great Black, start to the pop. <laughs> Will Smith kicks that like hole in the dumpster and all these cockroaches spill out. And I'm like, those look a little different than the cockroaches I know of. Yes. Yeah. I, I've traveled out of state and, and I will admit, um, there are some things outside of New York that I did not know existed. But enough of that. Those are things that are very bad, just like the second base position. Uh, Scott, do you hate second base as much as I do? I will say, like as bad as it is, I think there are not a lot of elite players. There are not a lot of starter-worthy players that I am excited about. But I will say that it is deep with a lot of middle infield options and players that you can find later on in the draft, specifically for Roto League. So I will say that about second base. Scott, what are your thoughts on the position? I don't hate it as much as you do. I, I think it's clearly the weakest infield position. I think it's clearly the weakest non-catcher position. But I still yeah. think for the majority of people listening, there's enough talent to go ar- around. And there might be a little more upside. There, there might be a few more upside plays at this position than most any other infield position. Uh, there are less proven options, less elites, like you pointed out. Uh, but there are more upside options, and there are more like specialists for for roto play for five by five categories play guys who can steal you some bases or hit or, or provide some batting average help and do so at a discount potentially so uh, it, it's it's actually kind of an, a neat position I think and one that I don't feel I don't feel obligated to fill it early since there are those upside plays and since there are those category specialists available later. Frank, you were you were analyzing baseball all the way back in 2018. You shouldn't be complaining about second base. It's so much better now than it was three or four years ago. And, you know, it's really mostly, I think, the result of the juice ball. Um, there were seven players, I believe, who were on pace for uh, at least 30 homers. And uh, in, no, sorry. I have that stat wrong. In 2019, four second base eligible players had at least 30 homers. Seven more had at least 20, so 11 total. There were zero 30 homer guys at the position in 2018, and only seven had 20 or more. That was where the the you know the juice ball introdu- was introduced, and you know power really took off. And I think you know what I wrote about for my second base previews. I think second base is kind of illustrative of what the impact of you know, the, the de-juiced ball might be because it has, 
it has seen a big power increase overall, but it's been a lot of guys with really marginal power. Guys like DJ LeMay, you guys like, uh, you know, Cattell Marte, I think, falls in that range. Uh, Kevin Biggio is another one with Merrifield, even Ozzy Albies. You know, pretty much all of the high-end second basemen, you know, they're not hitting 415-foot home runs, right? They're hitting DJ LeMayhew. Uh, his average home run distance in twenty nine or 2020 was 354 feet, which um, would not happen anywhere but Yankee Stadium. So that's something that I, I'm really trying to keep in mind as I move forward to second base now. Definitely helps Kevin Biggio, uh, not Kevin, D- DJ LeMahieu rather, playing in Yankee Stadium uh, and hitting the ball to the opposite field as much as he does. He set a career high 33% opposite field in 2019, and then he got that up to 43% in 2020. So really taking advantage of that short porch. Scott, being the professional that he is, already answered one of the questions that I had without me even having to ask it. So Chris, I'll just throw this one back your way. Are you more likely to reach on one of the big three? Uh, I think it's probably just a big one, and then there's two like kind of right behind him, um, being DJ LeMahieu, Ozzy Albies, and Whit Merrifield, just to ensure that you have one of the elite second basemen. No, I don't think so. Uh, I'm fine if I end up with those guys, but it's definitely not a uh, significant goal of mine. I, I'm I'm okay waiting on the position because, you know, in a roto league, I, I like Nick Madrigal later. I I actually I've been fine ending up with Tommy Lestella as my starting second baseman in a few spots. So, um, you know, I, I think there are there are options where second base is probably because. I think the players who you're drafting at the place you have to draft a second baseman are typically better than the second baseman you would be drafting, I think is the way I would put it. And so uh, I would rather just get the better player than, you know, feel like I'm reaching just for to fill a position. As we've done with the other position previews, we're going to hit a lot on ADP. We'll have some sleepers, breakouts, and busts at second base, some prospects, our favorite second baseman to draft so far, uh, and... I have a few other things, um, some salary cap values as well throughout the show. But let's jump right into ADP. And I mentioned that big three, DJ LeMahieu going off the board at pick 25, Ozzy Albies at 31, and then Whit Merrifield going at pick 39. I said, you know, I think DJ LeMahieu just kind of stands above the rest here. The man they refer to as the machine. No, I did not make that up. His teammates, the Yankees, the Bronx Bombers are the ones that call DJ LeMahieu the machine. Um, He has finished 20th and 21st, respectively, in Roto in each of the past two years. So, incredibly consistent. Uh, He's been a top 20 hitter in terms of fantasy points per game in each of the past two seasons as well. I assume each of us have LeMahieu ranked as the number one second baseman heading into the season. There is now a a deadening of the ball, which you have already alluded to, Chris. Um, Does that actually concern your projection for power output for one DJ LeMahieu, Scott? Well, when I I wrote a piece earlier this week when that news was announced about five hitters who could suffer because of it, five pitchers who could benefit, and one of the five hitters I put who could suffer was DJ LeMahieu because he was the most prolific home run hitter who averaged um, really short distances on his home runs. But... I'm not, I, I treated that column more like an intellectual exercise of if the impact is significant. I'm actually, right now I'm thinking the impact's not going to be so significant that really need to like turn the rankings upside down for it. I know um, there was just kind of a, a loose, there, loose, it was loosely speculated in the column by Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris. I don't know who specifically was speculating this, that it could return home runs to a rate like 2017, which was the first spike in home runs. And that's really when we saw home runs become much more evenly distributed across the board um, with, with middle infielders taking a big step forward. And, you know, that's just loose speculation. No, I, I don't think anybody can really pin down exactly what the effect's going to be. So this will be a more interesting discussion to have next year. Um, but I, I'm going to be careful not to overreact to it. Like maybe in the case of Kevin Biggio, who, as Chris pointed out, is somebody who is, who, who may suffer from it. He was another one of the five hitters I mentioned in that column. 
you know, I I already had doubts about Kevin Biggio, and so that kind of bolsters those doubts. Yeah. But LeMayhew, not the, so much. I mean, given given that so many of his home runs are hit to the opposite field in Yankee Stadium, it makes sense that they're going to have a short average distance. And I don't think it's I don't think losing a little off of that is is really going to knock him out of the top spot at second base. Yeah, I mean, I think we should contextualize it. It's it's we're probably not talking about an expected drop of half. You know, we're probably talking maybe ten to fifteen percent, uh, and and your expected home runs at like kind of the extreme edges. So, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into it. But you know, when you talk about someone like Kevin Biggio, I think the the difference between him and DJ LeMahieu is he is kind of fringy across the board. Stolen bases, he's great. He's efficient, effective, does it a lot. But he's kind of fringy at everything else. He's a fringy. I would say bad batting average guy. I think he's probably going to hit 240 to 250. He's a fringy power guy. He's right around league average in terms of average exit velocity. Um, and so he's the kind of guy where he really maximizes his output by hitting a lot of fly balls. And he you know, strikes out a decent amount and he walks a, decent, uh, a lot. Um, and so if you know he loses three or four home runs, all of a sudden you're looking at potentially a guy who's going to hit 14 home runs and hit 240. Yeah, Biggio we're are, talking about. Here. Yeah, Captain yeah. Biggio. Is that really worth paying for it with a sixth round pick just to get 20 steals? Tommy Edmonds going off the board, you know, 50 picks later or whatever that, whatever it would be. Um, LeMayhew, he's got a lot of ways to succeed. And th- there's it's very hard to see a world in which DJ LeMayhew doesn't hit 285 at least. And driving a bunch of runs because he's going to make a lot of contact. And so I, I think the floor is really high, even if the ceiling is a bit lower. Yeah. You're, when you say 285, you're talking about kind of a floor outcome. Well, yeah. Like at least like he will, he will yeah. hit. It's very hard to see him hitting worse than 285. Yeah. I would put his floor and I don't think I'm overstating this at, I would put it at 300, which it, it sounds crazy, but since he's joined the Yankees, he's batting 335. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't expect that, but I would actually, I would expect a 300 batting average at the least, uh, and then potential for him to even build off that. I'm not worried about the, the home runs coming down tremendously for LeMahieu. He was on pace for 30 last season over the course of 150 games. Uh, so I think 20 plus home runs. I don't, I think that he is the single best batting average contributor in Roto and head to head categories leagues. Again, that is DJ LeMahieu, uh, but also in this tier of ADP is Ozzy Albies versus Whit Merrifield, which you actually, you have to take a stand on. I, I don't know that you're going to want to draft both of them. So you, if you want one, you're going to have to make a decision. Um, and Ozzy Albies has never finished higher than 35th overall in Roto. Whit Merrifield has finished inside the top 25 in Roto in two of the past three seasons. Uh, they've each a- averaged over three fantasy points per game uh, in each of the past three seasons as well. So I think they're similar players. Whit Merrifield is eight years older. Scott, which way do you lean uh, in Whit versus Ozzy Albies in both formats? Well, look, I rank Ozzy Albies ahead. Um... I guess I would take him ahead. At their going rate, though, I would rather have Whit Merrifield. I would rather it be a situation where Ozzy Albies goes off the board and I take that as my cue to take Whit Merrifield because I feel like Whit Merrifield is going to be more impactful in stolen bases. It's probably about equal in batting average. I might actually give the edge to Merrifield. I think Merrifield gets the edge. Slightly. Yeah. Yeah, and then Albies, okay, you give him you give him an edge in the home runs, but um, you know, Merrifield hasn't been a zero for home runs. It's it's closer than you'd think, even in that category. So, I feel like specifically for a, a roto context, Merrifield might actually end up being the more useful player, uh, and, and he's dual eligible in case you need another outfielder at some point. You know that that's helpful too. I so I, I like the value of Merrifield a lot more. I think he's. Uh, Perennial, I'm doing. I got this word again. I can't say that word in <laughs> the clutch. I was practicing it the other day. Well, what is it, Chris? Perennially, perennially, yes. Um, <laughs> underrated. Um, and, and you know, last year we were kind of down on Whit Merrifield because he just had this season where he stole only 20 bases and 30 attempts. He really bounced back last year. That's that doesn't seem like a concern anymore. So you're going, uh, you're going Whit over Albies, Chris. Yes. Okay, yeah, I, I think he's a, a a better bet to contribute in batting average and definitely stolen bases, and those are the two harder 
Uh, categories defined in Roto, I, it's very close in head-to-head points. Yeah. I might have them back-to-back in my overall rankings, actually. Uh, I will say Witt is an Ironman. He's only missed four games over the last three seasons combined, which is just absolutely insane. So that makes him more of a compiler. Uh, I do think that Albies has more upside. I still think he can put together this... 25 plus homer, 20 plus steel season. Again, that is Ozzy Albee. So I will lean that way just based on the upside, but I have no problem with where Whit Merrifield is going as well. We dropped down a few rounds in ADP, three more second baseman going, 11 picks apart. Kevin Biggio, we already spoke a little bit about at pick 56. Keston Hiura going about nine picks later, 65th. And then Brandon Lau at 67. Uh, I really don't like this here. I think uh, each has legitimate concerns. Uh, Biggio has really made the most of uh, some very weak batted ball skills. Now they are deadening the ball, which we spoke about. And um, like his stack has data is terrible, and, and they have a lot of depth. So I think if if Biggio struggles, we can see them not like move away from him completely, but you know they could potentially he could lose some playing time if he struggles. Uh, Hira just led the National League in strikeouts. So, I mean, I've got to see him make more contact before I invest this early. And um, with Brandon Lau, I mean, he showed flashes, but the strikeouts went back up in September. Uh, He had a 34% strikeout rate in the postseason. He batted 118 in the playoffs as well. So, Scott, what do you think about this this group in general? Are, Are you going to be targeting this group? I think in general, I won't be. You 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 you're describing this as a tier based on ADP. Um, and, and you know it, it can get confusing with the way we repeat terms for things. But in terms of my own personal tiers that get published on the site, these three are actually in a much larger tier. Uh, and you know the whole point of the tiers is to to take one of the last players remaining in the tiers, which means these ones that tend to be drafted earlier are not going to be ones I target just by nature of the exercise. I think if I was going to take one of these three, it would be Keston Hira because the ceiling is so high for him. Apart from maybe LeMahieu, I would say Hira has the most upside of any second base eligible player. He has the potential to contribute in steals. He has the potential to be the best power hitter at the position. But he showed the extent of his downside last year, and I'm not really sure what comes next for him. And um, Biggio and Lau, yeah, just don't have a lot of confidence and either one of them sustaining what they uh, what they did last year. Lau's season was very up and down. Like the in in a shallower league, trying to wrap your head around what Lau was doing was a nightmare because he looked like the best second baseman in the world for her like the first few weeks, and then he just cratered in the for a middle stretch of the season. And I I think I saw him get dropped in a couple leagues. And then he caught fire again late. And all this happened over the course of a two of, of two months, his yeah. value swinging that wildly. Um, so that's just kind of kind of a, a clue of what you're in for with with Brandon Lau. I think that makes him a better Roto player, too. Again, that's Brandon Lau. He's still just 26 years old. I think there's some talent there, but again, yeah, I think it's gonna be a roller coaster throughout the course of the season with him. So the end product might look okay. You know, when everything's said and done in 2021 with Brandon Lau. But um, yeah, definitely some inconsistencies there. Chris, I know you and I were both big fans of Keston Hira last year. But, um, you know, look, I still, I like the talent there. And, you know, if I have him in Dynasty, I'm holding. I'm not trying to sell low or anything. But I I thought that we would get more of a discount, honestly, entering uh, this draft season based on what happened last year. So where are you at now with Keston Hira? I'm still a really big fan. I just think it's one of those situations where talent will win out. And and I I think one of the things that's interesting is like comparing him to Fernando Tatis, they had pretty similar rookie seasons. They came, you know, they played the same season, some roughly similar number of games. Uh, And Keston here had much better underlying numbers. Uh, His bad ball data was much more impressive than Fernando Tatis. Obviously Fernando Tatis took a big step forward in year two. Keston here took a big step back, but I think it's worth remembering how good he was as a rookie and how impressive that batted ball data was. Um, and to remember that he was a guy who was rated very highly for his hit tool coming up as a prospect. He had a little bit of strikeout issues in AAA, but for the most part, he was more like a, an 18 to 22% strikeout rate guy than the, I think he's up to 33% uh, so far in the majors. So I, I just think it's the kind of thing where We've seen the ability to absolutely crush the ball and just bet on the talent. I, I have him 
uh, a little higher than ADP rank overall. Again, that is Keston Hira, who struggled last year with strikeouts. But as you pointed out, in his minor league career, this was almost a thousand plate appearances, a twenty-one percent strikeout rate. So I think there's a chance he can get back on track. But I, I just mm, I don't love the ADP for one Keston Hira. How about Cattell Marte, who finds himself on a bit of an island here in the seventh round at pick eighty, and. I've been really torn on Marte all offseason, but again, we've talked about this already a ton, but I I think it's especially relevant with second base with the deadening of the ball. I don't want to like, you know, beat a dead horse with it, but uh, these are guys who typically don't hit for a ton of power, and it seems like um, Cattell Marte, rather, was helped out by the juice ball when he had his best season in 2019. He finished 18th overall that year in Roto. He was the ninth best hitter in fantasy points per game. Cattell Marte had a, a 981 OPS in 2019. Every other season in his career, that has been 768 or less. And now the Diamondbacks are, I would say, not so great. So he dealt with a wrist injury last year. Cattell Marte, Scott, you were on him last year. Are you going back to the well at pick 80 in the seventh round? He's a really hard player to figure out, right? Because yep. a lot of the underlying data, uh, 2020 compared to 2019, doesn't doesn't appear to be that far off. And then he reduced his strikeout rate. Uh, so you could say he improved his batting average ceiling. And this from a guy who hit over 320 in 2019. Like there's still... a. You could certainly look at Cattell Marte's last two years and say, oh, okay, I'm willing to bet on this guy again because not enough went wrong in 2020 for me to completely throw out 2019. I think I'm at a point where I need to get him at a, like an obvious value to be the one who invests in him, and I'll be happy to take him if, if he falls enough for that to happen. But again, he's part of this very large tier in my I have at second base, and, and that means there are some players going well after him that I like just as much, if not more. Um, and then, like, he was one of the... F- he he just like Kevin Biggio and DJ LeMay, he was one of the five players I listed as potentially being impacted by this change in the baseball. Because that 2019 season is such an outlier in terms of home run to fly ball rate, it is... It, it's an outlier. It's, it's, just, it's just way higher than every other year, including last year when he hit only two home runs. And um, I think, I think you have to factor that in. So even that, even for that point with Cattell Marte, there's the contradiction that in that 2019 season, when he had that outlier home run to fly ball rate, and when we, it, it, it was the easiest season to hit home runs on record, even then there's the contradiction that Cattell Marte averaged 410 feet on the 33 home runs he hit that year. So it's not like... He had a problem with distance on those home runs, and and one so thing just, I, just really hard to figure out. One thing I will add to the to the discussion about you know average home run distance and bad ball data and all this is where you hit your balls matters too. Uh, you know, a three hundred and sixty five foot uh, line drive to center field is probably an out. A three hundred and sixty five foot line drive or fly ball down the line is probably a home run, and so if you're going to have a relatively short Home, average home run distance and you're going to not hit the ball extremely hard although Cattell Marte actually does hit the ball very hard um, it's really good to pull the ball and that is something that he did well on his home runs in 2019 that he didn't do quite as well in 2020 unfortunately I can't actually cite numbers because I can't get fan graphs to load right now. Okay, so it's not just me. Yeah, I was wondering if it was me too. Because <laughs> uh, they have a way that you can like separate out the splits by batted ball type. So you can look at how many of his home run or fly balls he pulled. And uh, I can't access that. And so it's, it's a little frustrating right now. Again, that is uh Cattell Marte. Scott, you highlighted the home run to fly ball rate in his career year in 2019, 19% for Cattell Marte. That was all the way down Thanks for listening, Frank. That was, I know I, I'm just reiterating it because I had a point last year. It was just, no, I know I was thanking <laughs> you. You, you, you mentioned that I pointed it out. So I, I, it's good to know you're listening. Well, yes. You know, yesterday I slipped up a little bit and you, but you know, again, yes. Call me out if I mess up. Uh, last year for Cattell Marte was only 3.8%. So just a, a massive drop uh, for him in 2020. And, and I guess, you know, 
why would you take Cattell Marte at pick 80 when you can get someone like Jose Altuve a round or two later? I guess that would be probably my biggest argument against him. So let's drop yeah. down 15 to 20 picks. We have three more second basemen going four picks apart this time. Jose Altuve at pick 95. Max Muncie at pick 96. We spoke about him uh, on yesterday's podcast on the first base position preview. Muncie has first base, second base, and third base eligibility. Uh, and then Jeff McNeil at pick 98, who has both second base and outfield eligibility. Um, and if I don't get one of the big three at the top, th- I think this is my range. This is where I'm going to live fine without Tuve in either format. Uh, Muncie is especially helpful in head to head points, OBP leagues. Jeff McNeil, I think is a DJ LeMahieu light. Um, I think he's going to be a fine contributor in batting average, which is not the easiest thing to find in the middle of a draft. So, uh, we'll start off with Jose Altuve, Scott. This kind of seems like a no brainer. He he's dropped 60 spots in ADP compared to last year. Got off to the rough start. Might be related to the cheating scandal. Obviously, they were coming off that in the offseason. Uh, but then just had this massive postseason. 375 mm-hmm. batting average, five homers, a 12.29 OPS in 60 plate appearances. So will you be buying the discount on Jose Altuve? Yeah, incidentally, Carlos Correa had this, the same situation. Disappointing regular season and then like a more productive postseason. Um, that that really kind of changed the narrative of that. But I, I don't know, for whatever reason, people aren't back on board with Altuve, even with that awesome postseason. I'm glad you brought up the comparison with Cattell Marte because I was thinking the same thing, just didn't want to reveal the name Jose Altuve yet. But that's I, I think it's more a case of Altuve being undervalued uh, than, than Cattell Marte being overvalued in drafts. But nonetheless, it's hard to take... Cadell tell Marte when you know you could have Jose Altuve two rounds later, a guy who still only 30 years old was for half a decade like this first round caliber player in fantasy. Uh, he's not going to run as much as he did then, but I, I don't think there's I don't think there's clear evidence that he's any worse of a hitter than he was then. the The underlying data is very similar. Um, he's still. You know, the strikeout rate was a little high for him last year, but it was still low overall, and it was a small sample, so I'm, I'm not even sure that I could say he's on the decline with the strikeouts. Uh, I just think, I think we're writing him off too quickly, given his age, given his track record, given that he did finish 2020 on such a high note. I think we're writing Jose Altuve off too quickly, and um, there's not much risk to taking him in this round 8-9 range. There's a lot more reward than there is risk. I, I mostly agree with that, and I do have him, I think, higher than his ADP, and I, I think I have him seventh at the position uh, in, in Roto. But, I mean, I, there are definitely signs that he's declined. It's, it's a question of whether those signs are, are real. Because, um, you know, his 2019 strikeout rate was, I believe, the highest of his career. His 2020 strikeout rate, even higher than that. Um, and, you know, barrel rate was down last year. Average exit velocity was down. So I, I think there are there are definitely reasons to be concerned. And my biggest concern might be that even if he does bounce back, what if he's just a 280 hitter with 15 to 17 home runs? He's not going to run anymore. That That's the biggest thing for me. And, and I could be wrong. I, I still he won't don't run think anymore. that's a horrible outcome for an eighth and ninth round second baseman. If, if that does come to pass. And I, and I think that's pretty close to a worst case scenario. And by the way, your point about him is barrel rate being down, uh strikeout rate being up yeah. still below 20%. So it was still a good strike, sure. but up for him. Sure. Like those are, those are numbers that were thrown out for most other players with his track record. If they did something like that in 2020 and many players did. So I, I don't know. I don't know why we're we're penalizing Altuve even more, especially since we actually saw him bounce back to some extent I, I during the a, postseason. A big part of it is Schadenfreude. I think there's a lot of grave dancing going on with the Astros, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, really, the only guy who's not getting that among their everyday players is probably Kyle Tucker. I think pretty much. I, I would say pretty much everyone on that team is probably being undervalued. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, and, and a lineup that, even without Springer, is 
still pretty good. I mean, one that features Altuve, Correa, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley, and with Springer Assuming leaving, everyone bounces back. Alex Bregman. It, like, there's so many names there still. Like, it's a pretty deep lineup, and I would say Altuve is probably the favorite to lead off for this team right now, too. So, to your point, Chris... He might only hit 15 to 17 home runs. Maybe he steals you you six to eight bags. He's not going to steal, you know, the 20, 15 to 20 that he used to. He could score a lot of runs in this lineup if he's leading off. So uh, Jose Altuve, someone that I will be targeting. Uh, Jeff McNeil, I'll just quickly point out. I mentioned, you know, a a DJ LeMahieu light. His career in the majors, 319 batting average, 12% K rate. This guy makes a ton of contact. 311 career hitter in the minor leagues as well. Uh, Scott, the only question I wanted to ask you about Jeff McNeil is, similar to Dom Smith, do we have any concern with McNeil's playing time now that Jonathan VR signed with the team? Not that VR is great, but you know maybe he takes away a game here or there from someone like McNeil or Dom Smith, and that matters in season. Yeah, I know Dominic Smith is considered a liability in left field. JD Mark JD Smith is at uh, third JD base. JD Davis. JD Davis. <laughs> it's not the first time I've called him JD Smith. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I don't see that as an issue for McNeil. No, I, I think he's too valued in the lineup. I don't think he's considered the same kind of liability defensively. Uh, I. I you know, obviously he could lose a start here and there. Every most every player does, but I don't think it'll be this situation where he's losing a start or two a week to VR. Um, my biggest concern with McNeil is if he doesn't bounce back to some extent with the power, which at the major league level we've only seen from McNeil in the second half of 2019. Finished that year with 23 homers, I think, but it was pretty much all confined to the second half. He did show pretty good power in the minors, so it, it wasn't entirely out of nowhere. But in the majors, for the most part, he's been close to a, a zero for power. And if that is the truest form of Jeff McNeil, then why not wait for David Fletcher? Because yeah, he, he that's might. Similar. Yeah, he might just be a, a batting average guy. Like right. he, he might not even be all that helpful in runs or RBI. That, that's the biggest concern, is that it's right. just an empty batting average. Now, now, we're nearing the end of a tier here, and, and McNeil at least has hope of being more than that, so I'm not saying I never draft him, uh, but that's why I can't get excited about drafting him. It's more like, okay, this is my last chance to get a potentially standout second baseman. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I wish the price was a little bit less for McNeil. He's going right inside the top 180p, but I, I hear your concerns. He did hit 23 home runs in 133 games in 2019. So, again, a DJ LeMahieu light, 18 to 20 home runs, maybe a 280-plus batting average. If he's hitting near the top of the Mets lineup, he should be able to uh, put up decent counting stats as well. Again, that is Jeff McNeil. Before we move on to sleepers, breakouts, and busts, I want to quickly promote a few things. Once again, Thank you to everybody who is joining us live tonight and watching on YouTube and Twitch. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Hit that little alarm bell so you get a notification every time we go live. And make sure to follow us on Twitch as well. That's twitch.tv slash HQ. And make sure to join our Facebook group. It's lit! As the kiddies would say, uh, we're getting a ton of questions every single day. There's people looking for leagues. There's other looking, uh, other people looking to fill their leagues. So if you're trying to expand your fantasy baseball repertoire, you want to join a few more, uh, this is probably the place for you. Facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you're listening on the podcast, we are going to... Take a quick break, but when we come back, sleepers, breakouts, and busts right here, Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So let's jump in, Scott. Give me your favorite sleeper at the second base position. My favorite sleeper is probably Nick Madrigal. Oh. (laughs) He's my favorite sleeper, too. Yeah, um, and I didn't think I'd feel this way about him because I don't like, generally don't like players that provide nothing in terms of power in an environment where there's so much power to be found. But 218th player off the board on average for a very safe source of batting average. I mean, this guy might not strike out 20 times in a season. You know he's going to hit 300 or something very close to it. He's a 35 steel guy in the minors two years ago. The little bit we saw of him in the majors, he didn't run that much, but you know he's capable of it. Um, I'm hopeful that with an old school manager like Tony LaRussa, maybe they run a little more. So batting average standout, possibly a steel standout at a weak position, 218th overall. Like that's That just seems too good to be true. Of course, he's coming back from surgery on his shoulder it's not expected to keep him out at the start of the year but you you do wonder how that will impact his performance i think it helps that power is not at all a part of his profile because that's usually what you worry about with a player recovering from shoulder injury uh so i'm I'm really not that worried about it and like i said and specifically in a categories league but you know what i'll even say in a points league as little as he strikes out you're you're uh, his uh, his floor is pretty high in that format too. I'm, I'm fine with Madrigal as my starter in any format if it comes to that. Chris, would you like to piggyback off Madrigal, or do you have another potential sleeper? Uh, no, I, I think he's the the obvious choice for me because after him, it's it's a lot of guys who are you know have some flexibility positionally, but have some playing time concerns or just aren't very good. So I, I do think he's kind of the last player who I could see being a real impact uh, fantasy option. And the biggest thing is going to come down to, I for me, whether they let him run. The White Sox have, I would say, four different guys who could steal 30 bases. I think Tim Anderson, Lewis Robert, maybe Yomakata, maybe he's not quite that. Uh, but Nick, Nick Madrigal, definitely. Um, and I think the best case scenario is he looks like the really good version of Juan Pierre from early on in the 2000s for you know those of you who are old enough to remember Juan Pierre. Um, you know, he, was <laughs> well, he was stealing like 60 bases back in those Yeah, days. Nick Madrigal won't do that. But, yeah. it, you know, relatively speaking, because there were more guys mm-hmm. running a lot back then, Nick sure. Madrigal should be a 300 hitter. And if they let him run and he steals 30 bases, that's an impact guy at second base. And I think that's, it's not asking too much. It just requires the White Sox to, frankly, do something that they haven't allowed any of their players to do lately. Uh most of those guys that I mentioned, Moncada, Anderson, Robert, uh, they all pretty much averaged 50-plus steals or right around there per 150 games in the minors, and they've all been significantly below that. Robert's 150-game uh, pace last year was 29. That was the highest of any of them, I think, pretty much at any point in the last few years. So it's a real question, and if he's a 15-20 to 20 steal guy, it's a little less impactful. Or a lot less impactful. I will see your Nick Madrigal at ADP 226.3, and I will raise you a John Birdie at 274.3 ADP, who is expected to start at second base for the Marlins. But even if he doesn't, if he's just some kind of super utility player, the Marlins like to run. And he had nine steals last year, and I believe it was just 39 games. He was on pace over 150 games for 34 steals. So someone who's going extremely late, who you can grab as your middle infielder, 
Um, he has some positional eligibility, so you could you move him around a little bit. Uh, someone in in John Birdie that I think can help you with steals, and also Colton Wong, who is going at ADP three forty two point three. There is a chance that he can lead off for the Milwaukee yep. Brewers, and his last one hundred and sixty two games, a two eighty eight batting average with twenty three steals for Colton Wong. Yep. Only eight home runs, so he's uh, not going to help you much there. But you know, it's. It's an okay lineup. It's not great, but just behind him, Yelich, Kesson Hira, yeah. Lorenzo Cain. Yep. He could potentially give you some run scored and some steals. So Colton Wong. He's a good on base guy. Colton Wong, yeah, I think, I'm, is I'm, a, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see what Colton Wong is going to do in a smaller park and and probably with an everyday role just because the Brewers don't have a lot of choices. And uh, with a team that just generally runs more, right? The Brewers run a fair amount. And I think and, Wong uh, has hit at least 280. And mm-hmm. two of the last three or three of the last four years, I want to say, it's a deeper sleeper, yeah, kind of pick. But I, I think it's, I think it's legit. I do want to mention for Birdie, John Birdie, that uh, I saw from a, someone on the Marlins beat a few weeks ago that it's expected to be a battle between Jazz Chisholm and um, Asan Diaz for the starting second base jobs. They're kind of just penciling in Birdie into that super utility role right away. So I don't know if that affects your expectations for him. Uh, there's still a good chance he plays close to every day, but it's not as not as assured if that's the role they have in mind for him. There's there's also a decent chance both of those guys flop and he gets yeah. that opportunity too. That's there's true. also a non-zero chance John Birdie is not a major league caliber player. So <laughs> uh, I would just throw that out there. Well, thanks, Chris. You 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 make me feel all warm and fuzzy about my sleeper pick here, Scott. No, I mean I don't disagree with it. <laughs> uh, give me a breakout, Scott, at second base. So I hesitated because I actually had Madrigal penciled in as the breakout, but if, I knew if I didn't take him for my sleeper, Chris would, and then I'd be <laughs> totally screwed. So this is a weird choice for a breakout, but I, I'm going to say Brendan Rodgers. I think you could still make the case that it would be a breakout for him. Uh, kind of a post-hype sleeper, though, is really the the term I would most like to attribute to him because former third overall pick, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to finally get a chance. His most recent minor league numbers were just off the charts, good. Uh, struggled when he got to the majors two years ago. Then had a shoulder injury, I think it was. Shoulder, yep. right? Yeah, I think he struggled the little bit he played last year. It really hasn't... Has had some injuries, hasn't gotten a fair enough shake in the majors. Still too much upside, still too young to uh, write off. And now with Nolan Arenado in the picture, there's much less competition for playing time there. And I, I feel like we're at, they're at a point. The Rockies are with with Rogers, where they they gotta they gotta see what they have in him. Yeah. Um, and so I expect him to play a lot. I don't know if he'll have a job all to himself, but uh, he'll get chances. And if he lives up to his potential, obviously his home park will help in that regard. If he does, then he'll just continue to get more playing time and may emerge as a must star player at this position. That is Brendan Rodgers' breakout for one Scott White. Chris, give me a breakout, second base. I'll go with the same guy I had last year, Keston Hira. Um, we know what the upside is. We know he you know, has shown elite batted ball skills. We know he's shown better contact skills in the minors. Um, there are definitely red flags. I think he had, I want to say, it was one of the lowest, if not the lowest, uh, contact rate on pitches inside the strike zone of any player in baseball. Uh, he's had real holes in his swing so far, and it's been a real issue, but he's played 132, 38 games in the majors. He has a 266 average, 32 homers, 12 steals, 162 combined runs in RBI. That's pretty good. Uh, and if all he does is that, that would, I mean, you would take that. And that's including what I think, you know, everyone would consider a pretty uh, disappointing second season. So, I just I think the skills are there and they're too loud for him not to be uh, at least a very good hitter. Kesson Hira for Chris and I'm going to go with Nick Solak. I mean I got to stick with my theme of of my Texas Rangers. Of course, uh, spoke a lot about Nate Lowe on our first base position preview podcast, and, and maybe this is something that I do to a fault, but I, I just I see these gaudy minor league numbers and I just always think that there's a possibility for a player to do something similar to that in the majors. And Nick Solak is one of these guys where in 2019 at AAA, hit 289, 894 OPS, 27 home runs. 
In 2018, he hit 282, 19 home runs, 21 steals. He's on a team in the Texas Rangers that likes to run. We saw that last year. He had seven steals in the shortened season. He only had two home runs. So uh, I'm expecting the power to bounce back a little bit. But can he become a 15 to 20 homer, 10 to 15 steal guy? I think that's possible. So um, I think he's in a position pre, uh, a position battle for the second base job as of now. But uh, someone that I'm pretty excited about is Nick Solak. Scott, who is a player that you are not excited about? A bust at second base. So it's Kevin Biggio, and I feel I, I feel like we've covered that pretty thoroughly. Um, so I won't harp on him more. I, I want to bring up Tommy LaStella, who I could classify as a bust too. And, and and the thing is, he's going outside. He, he's like the 283rd player off the board on average. So, you know, is there downside to taking Tommy LaStella? I guess not. I just... I think it's really easy to see to, to foresee him just being completely useless in fantasy this year, given that he's going to the most power-suppressing park for a left-handed hitter in San Francisco. He's another guy who um, his power surge has relied on him putting the ball in the air more, but still making pretty weak contact. And so, you know, that park's bad news for his power. Certainly the ball change is bad news for his power. And then on to on top of it all, the Giants have a lot of infielders who deserve at bats. Ones who hit right-handed, particularly Wilmer Flores, Donovan Solano, Lastella, left-handed hitter, hasn't been good against lefties in his career. It's probably going to be a platoon. It's probably going to be a platoon. He's probably going to lose a lot of his power output. And then, you know, if he's just this part-time contact hitter, that's that's not worth much. Chris, a bus at second base. Scott White for picking one of my favorite players. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kevin Biggio. Um, I like Scott said. I don't think we need to to relitigate it. Um, the stolen bases give him a high floor, I guess, in in some regard. So I'll, I'll give him that much. But I just, I think there's a chance he kind of bottoms out as a hitter and puts up like a sub 700 OPS and. He could get buried in that lineup too. You know, he, he yeah. could end up hitting eighth or ninth. Yeah, Simeon, Simeon really put his role yeah. in question. Um, and the, another thing I, I want to bring up from Biggio is I'm not even sure. Like he's 20, a perfect 20 for 20 in stolen bases in his career. But he only had six last year, which translates to more like 15 than yeah. 20 if you extend it over to 162 games. His sprint speed. You know, it's it's seventy second percentile, so it's good. not amazing. It's good, but not great. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah, it's the kind of thing it, where he like, might only be. He might be more like a twelve to fifteen steel guy than a twenty to twenty five steel guy. Is what yeah. I'm saying. And, he and was then you're really screwed. He was right around eighty percent in the minors. Actually, a little below, like seventy seven percent on stolen bases. And you you generally expect that to get worse as you get to the majors and you face higher competition. So I think he's a a little lucky to have only. Uh, to not have been caught stealing on his 20 attempts. And, you know, we probably talk about, about him a little differently if he had 16 steals uh, in 159 games. And, um, you know, I think that's it's more realistic that he'll steal at 80% than 100. My bus pick is also Kevin Biggio, but these guys have said oh, everything. Boy. There's nothing. I can't wait till he goes off for like a 30-30 season. He yeah. wins the AL MVP. Uh, that, that's the way these things usually go around here. Scott, just give me a name. The second baseman you are most likely to draft this season. It'll be one we haven't mentioned yet. It'll be Max Muncy, who is being downgraded, I think, unfairly. Uh, weird season. He was one of the many who suffered the effects of that. I'm giving you more than just a name now, right? Because we haven't <laughs> talked about him yet. Um, but underlying numbers all suggest he's the same player who is hitting about 260 with 35 homers or that sort of pace the previous two years. Triple eligible, but of course, second base is where he's most valuable. And uh, that, you know, I, I think his most likely outcome is borderline stud, and um, it's a good value for him considering. Chris, the one name you will draft most at second base? Nick Madrigal. And for me, it is Jose Altuve, which we already spoke about. I think he can be useful in both head-to-head -head points and in Roto League's prospects. We spoke a lot about Nick Madrigal, who is a prospect at second base. But 
Yeah, I posted a, I posed a question in our Facebook group today and I asked, you know, what do you want to hear about at second base? And so many people want to know about Gavin Lux. So I don't huh. think he still fits the mold technically as a prospect, nope. but technically not. Uh, Scott, let us know what we need to uh, need to know about Gavin Lux. What we're expecting? Will he start at second base? What are you expecting? Um, and any other prospects at the position? Well, I guess if I brought up Brendan Rodgers, as I called him a post-type sleeper, then I guess Lux would sort of qualify as well, except I think they're, fantasy players in general are a lot more hopeful with Lux still. Yeah. And I'm not. Like, the Dodgers don't seem that motivated to get him in their lineup. And even if they do, would it be on a full-time basis? <sighs> I, I don't I, I don't know what's going on with Lux. I don't know why they're so reluctant. They, they it seemed like they were clinging to him in trade uh, trade talks a couple years ago, and now it's just like they're sitting on him. Uh, I don't know. Chris has looked like he's dying to say looks like he's dying to say something. So. I will just I will just say if you replaced the name Gavin Lux with Kyle Tucker in what you just said, it would have been the exact same thing someone could have said a year ago. We weren't well, sure he was going to play every day. They did. Yeah. They had seemed to have soured on him. They left him down in AAA for two full seasons. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like he was, you know, there were actually some reports that he had kind of fallen out of favor uh, with Astros leadership at the time. And so I, I think those reports are louder for Lux, though. And, you know, maybe. part of it was we could still see that Tucker was crushing it at AAA as opposed to Lux, where we don't know, we don't yeah, know, I mean, what, that, know what's going on with him performance-wise. That's kind of the tough thing with prospects in general is, yeah. like, I've been doing a lot of prospect rating this week, and there's a lot of showed some flashes at, at uh, the alternate site or, you know, really showed improvement or, you know, and not a lot of, well, this guy, this guy stunk. And uh, there's oh, a lot of that. that. Pros- I, I'm not finding as much, maybe. Okay. Um, okay. I, I've yeah, seen a fair amount of you know, there's, a, there's a lot more of that. I, I think there's just a lot more of that when uh, they're actually playing. <laughs> I think is the way I would put it, I guess. For Gavin Lux, the ADP is 252.3. And I don't want him as a starter, obviously. I don't, not even as a middle infielder in, in a deeper league, but... Towards the end of your redraft leagues, if you can stash him on your bench the first month just to see what happens, not even a month, just you know, first couple of weeks, see if he plays. Mm-hmm. I still think there is some big upside there uh, based on the prospect pedigree. So let's see what happens with one Gavin Lux. Uh, if you are wondering how much to pay for the second baseman in a salary cap draft, here are Scott's values for the different tiers. This is assuming a 12-team salary cap draft with a standard $260 budget. DJ LeMahieu, $28. Ozzie Albies and Whit Merrifield at $26. Cattell Marte, $19. Altuve, Biggio, and Hiura at $17. Max Muncie, Jeff McNeil, and Mike Moustakis for $10 to $11. Uh, Nick Madrigal and Dylan Moore at $8. And Gene Segura down at $1. Your buck bash at the second base position. Let's uh, let's wrap up here with some ADP review for some of these names going a little bit later on. And Dylan Moore, who we've mentioned the name a few times already this podcast, but we haven't really actually talked about him. So let's do exactly that. In round 12, uh, Dylan Moore at ADP 136. Tommy Edmond at ADP 139, who does not have eligibility yet at second base. He has... Third base, shortstop, and outfield, but is expected to play second base for the Cardinals. And then Marcus Semyon, who will also gain second base eligibility early on in the season. He is going at pick 148. Scott, who the heck is Dylan Moore, and is he legit? So he's the, he was this minor league journeyman, basically, who got a chance to play extensively for the Mariners last year, and... Um, Played really well. He played really well. Eight home runs and 137 at-bats, 12 steals, which is what we're most interested in. But, you know, if you get somebody who can steal bases and hit power, hit for power, then you're really on to something. And, you know, just what that translated to, um, Dylan Moore was the second highest scoring second baseman in head-to-head points per game last year. So not even the format that rewards steals the most. Per game, Moore was second best in head-to-head points 
per game and uh, behind only DJ LeMahieu. So clearly very productive short season from this guy. But minor league journeyman, he's already 28. Uh, he wasn't a starter for the full season. So we're talking about a small, smaller sample within the small sample. You look at the minor league track record and there are some pretty productive seasons there, but old. Yeah. It's just, it's just, he, he might be the single most interesting player in this year's pool. Honestly, at, at least the single most interesting position player, because he doesn't, slide to a point where I feel comfortable saying, okay, if nobody else believes in this guy, then I will. Because he, you know, people need steals so badly, they don't let him slide to that point. And yet, if he is legit, or at least mostly legit, then you're talking about him being a good value where he tends to go. So, um, I don't expect to have much of Dylan Moore, just seeing where he's going on average. I, I, I wish it was like 20 picks later. Then I could get behind taking him. I, I think it either goes one of two ways. Like he's awesome and he's just like this breakout player or he's in the minors somewhere or on their bench by yeah. May or something. So yeah. uh, again, that is Dylan Moore. Tommy Edmond, you brought up the name, Chris. Uh, he's played 147 career games with the Cardinals, 283 batting average, 16 home runs, 88 runs scored, and 17 steals. I think he's pretty interesting. I think... Probably one of him or Dylan Carlson is going to lead off for the Cardinals. So now with Goldschmidt and Arenado in that lineup, um, there could be a lot of runs scored. So uh, Tommy Edmond, you know, it's it's a decent price that you have to pay, but but for someone that could potentially go 20-20 and score a lot of runs, um, I'm pretty excited about him. Semyon's the other name that I think we just have to mention. Scott, like, I just don't think he's that good. Honestly, uh, from 2015 to 2018 and 2020, five years worth of data for Marcus Semyon, his OPS ranged from 679 to 735. The one standout season, like Cattell Marte, was in 2019 with the Juice Ball when he had an 892 OPS. StatCast mm-hmm. numbers every year outside of 2019 are really pedestrian. They're actually like below average. So I, maybe I'm just I'm sour on him, but I, I just don't mm-hmm. think Simeon's that good, honestly. Yeah, and I, I think it's even more disconcerting than, than Cattell Marte because Simeon's older and because there are other factors you could point to with Marte to, to, to kind of justify what he did in 2019. Uh, for Simeon, it just seems like a total outlier. You know, he is going to a smaller park. Wherever the Blue Jays play this year, it'll be a smaller park than Simeon was used to in Oakland. And, and Simeon is somebody who tends to put the ball in the air a lot. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, we saw a big bump for Josh Donaldson going from Oakland to Toronto. I don't think we'll see anything like that from Simeon, but I'm I'm not ruling it out. You know, he's not a zero for stolen bases. He's more interesting once he picks up second base eligibility than he is as a shortstop only. And by the way, that's also true of Jorge Polanco of the Twins, two two guy two interesting players who could be added to this position in short order. But um, it I'm never eager to draft Simeon. It's it's going to be a situation where the value is just too much to pass up. One one thing I will add is, um, you know, Frank, you mentioned his OPS over, you know, what, 2015 to 2020 or whatever it was. Uh, if you just take 2015 to 2018 and don't include the breakout 2019 season, his per 162 game pace was a 250 average, 20 homers, 14 steals, and 81 runs and 67 RBI. That sounds awfully Kevin Biggio-y. And this is the bad version of uh, Marcus Simeon, the one who hadn't broken out and hadn't showed us that he had uh, a little more upside. So I'll just point that out. He only had four steals last season. He only had 10 the year before, although he did attempt 18 the year before. I think that's probably just a, he probably got caught stealing three extra times. And if that's any, if that's a different thing, then he looks a little different. So um, Marcus Simeon weirdly has a high floor, I think. Uh, especially in roto leagues, in in head to head, there's a good chance he's not usable. But in a roto league, I think he he'll be useful as a middle infielder at the very least. We do have quite a few more names to get to, so we're going to run a little bit longer here on our second base position preview. Um, but after that crew of Moore, Edmund, and Semyon, uh, Jonathan VR, his ADP was 158, but of course he signed with the Mets, and he's 
likely going to be a super utility player. He'll play a few times per week. Um, Scott, I mean, where does he get drafted now? I, I assume this ADP plummets. Yeah, I, I didn't like him as much as the ADP anyway because I feared he would sign to be a backup somewhere. You know, deep enough rotisserie league. Anybody who will give you steals is worth something, but I, I don't anticipate a l- enough playing time for VR to matter in like a 12-team league. In round 14, we have a pair of teammates that are going back-to-back. Ha Young Kim, who signed with the Padres, and he came over from the KBO over in Korea, coming off a season where he hit 306, 30 home runs, 23 steals with a 921 OPS, and he is just 25 years old. And Jake Cronenworth. So, Chris, what do you think about this duo of Padres? How does the playing time work out here? No DH in the National League. It's pretty tough. Yeah, the the question, you know, it, it ultimately does come down to where the playing time. I, I, I think they could be fairly similar players, actually. Um, and so if one of them ends up starting five times a week, I think they'll be a, a viable option, especially in, in Roto Leagues. It'll be a little harder in points because volume matters so much more. But, you know, we'll see how that playing time shakes out. Kim is obviously... Very, very interesting. And the Padres gave him enough money where it's not a nothing investment. It doesn't suggest that they view him as a surefire starter, but really good numbers uh, in Korea. He's not, you know, one of these older uh, overseas imports. He's 25 years old, power and speed, good plate discipline. Um, I probably like him more than Cronenworth. And uh, I think he's an interesting flyer. What's crazy about Cronenworth is he was 98th percentile in XBA last year. He was 91st percentile in X-Slug. He's one of those players who the expected stats were just off the charts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the base stats were pretty good. You'd, you'd wish that X-Slug came to fruition because, you know, the power production was kind of lacking. But you could see you could see how Cronen, you could make a case for Cronenworth as a sleeper. Uh, and I still might have after the Ha-Sung Kim, Kim signing, it, it was really that the Padres brought back jerks and Profar yep. and added another redundancy. And like Profar was pretty productive last year too. I think he had seven homers, seven steals in the short season, something like that. Something that you could get excited about him too if there were regular bats. But like it just looks like a mess of playing time right now. And um, I'd rather avoid the situation entirely. In round 16, we see two potential breakout candidates, one that I brought up, Nick Solak and Andres Jimenez, who some people are excited about. Last year for Jimenez, he played 49 games with the New York Mets since he has been traded to Cleveland in the Francisco Lindor trade. Uh, But he batted 263 last year with three homers and eight steals. An interesting-ish home run uh, power-speed combination here for Jimenez. Scott, what do you think about uh, Jimenez versus Nick Solak in this range? And how is the playing time going to work out? Because Cleveland has yet to trade away uh, Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's keeping me from getting behind Jimenez completely. I think Jimenez is a safer bet for steals than Solak. I think Solak I trust for everything else a little more. I'm not super excited about either, to be honest. But I could see how... It's getting late in the draft. You're looking to meet category needs. Uh, they might be your best bet, considering. There's a there's a decent chance Jimenez starts in the minors. Uh, I think at this point, you know, they re-signed Cesar Hernandez. Um, so I, I, that's the biggest concern for me. Otherwise, I, I'm not too excited, even if he does get the opening day job, to be honest. I just, I don't think there's too high of a ceiling there. Going outside the top 200 picks now in ADP between Picks 215 and 235. Nick Madrigal, we spoke a lot about today. David Fletcher, potentially leading off for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So, some runs, some batting average there with him. Uh, Gavin Lux. Mm -hmm. And I will throw Jorge Polanco in this mix, who, Scott, you mentioned, is uh, going to be playing second base for the Minnesota Twins. So, he doesn't have second base eligibility yet, but he will gain it early in the season. So, Madrigal, Fletcher, Lux, and Jorge Polanco, do you like anyone in this group, Scott, outside of Madrigal? Oh, I love the value of Polanco because he's another player. You look at you look at the the under the hood numbers for him in 2020, and you're like, okay, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's he's still going to hit for average. He's still going to provide decent power. And we treated him like a must start shortstop a year ago. So second base, if he gets back to that, 
could be a great value here. I, I also think David Fletcher is just kind of underrated in general. There's a clear limit to his ceiling. Uh, so I, I understand how in shallower leagues, you just he's not even worth the time of day. But in anything deeper than that, very safe bet to hit 300 or at least 290. Um, and batting at the top of the Angels lineup, going to score a lot of runs, gets on base at a pretty good clip, going to be multi-eligible. Uh, and, and just like, because the plate discipline is so good, in, in head-to-head points leagues, he averaged, uh, let's see if I can find it. <laughs> he averaged a really high number. I can't find. 301. Three, almost three, a little over three points per game, which, um, you know, it compares to like what Didi Gregorius did uh, is actually better than Francisco Lindor did in a strange season for Lindor. So, you know, definitely relevant production. And I recently wrote about late round category specialist for the traditional five by five CBSports.com. You could check it out. But I had uh, David Fletcher, Justin Turner and Rymel Tapia as like that last group of potential batting average contributors. If you're looking for that late in your drafts outside the top 250, I'll throw three names your way, Chris, John Birdie, Ryan McMahon and Garrett Hampson, two <laughs> Rockies who we have been chasing for quite a while. Will it finally happen in 2021? In all likelihood, no. <laughs> they, they, they've really shown almost nothing to make you think that they can, either of them can really be even be average hitters, but they do have course field. Garrett Hampson has speed. Ryan McMahon has power. I yeah. could see Ryan McMahon having a random season this year where he hits 250 with 30 homers and drives in like 90 runs just because someone's got to drive in runs there. And he might hit, I mean, he really might hit in the, he'll probably hit in the, the heart of the lineup. I like Hampson more of the two. Just because you hope, you hope there's an outcome where he hits enough to get the most out of his steals potential. But yeah, you're losing faith at this point. Uh, just some final names here towards the end of your drafts: Wilmer Flores, Tommy Listella, Colton Wong, Jonathan Scope, uh, Ty France, Cesar Hernandez, Brendan Rogers. So that's a group of the- se- seven names that. <laughs> are going to have second base eligibility. Scott, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, they're they're not worthless. I mean, Scope, yeah, Scope could be a 20 good. homer guy. Ty France could be a 20 homer guy with a solid batting average. Um, you know, I'm not saying these are standard mixed league caliber players, but I I feel like this range at second base is stronger than this range at shortstop. So if you play in a deep enough league where you're really uh, g- getting into this range, then... Uh, I don't know. Second base starts to look a little stronger. We're going to wrap there on second base for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.